Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. My name is Lindy Pinkson, like Todd said, and I am the pastor of Women in Connections here at Antioch Fort Worth. And I'm so glad to get to share with you guys this morning. I get to preach a couple times a year, and so it's always a joy um, when I get to stand in front of you guys and share what God's put on my heart. And to start off with, I'm just going to um, introduce my family. I think I have a picture. I gave them this picture this morning. So let's just give it out for our tech and sound people. They are amazing. So um, I have a 20-year-old who's Joshua. Uh, His birthday is today. He's 20. So happy birthday, Joshua. He said he was going to be listening to this, so when he does, um, this is him, and happy birthday. And this is Jonathan. He's in eighth grade. This is Conan, my awesome husband down here, who I love, who allows me to run the gifting that God has given me, and I so appreciate him. And then this is Joel on the right, or yeah, right, and he is a senior and just turned 18 this week, too. So we've had a busy birthday week for our family. Um, I, uh, I've loved us taking a deeper dive in the Sermon on the Mount, and that's what we've been doing this fall. Um, we've been following the story of God since January. Um, we did the story we find ourselves in this summer, and now we're doing walking inside the story. And so we're just kind of doing a deep dive into the book of Matthew and the Sermon on the Mount. And every week I'm just convicted. I leave and think, wow, what in my life isn't lining up with Uh, what's been preached, right? And so much of the messages are about our heart. And like Jamie's been encouraging us to come with a a humble heart, a learner's heart. And it's kind of like this is all these messages that Jesus is saying, it's in our DNA. He's not giving us something that's like, you can't do this. He's like, join with me what I have the best life for you. And, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, I kind of think of it, like Jamie's mentioned this, it's kind of like a family meeting. You know, you growing up, everybody grew up in some sort of a family, or if you're a parent now, sometimes you have to gather your kids and be like, sometimes it's an admin meeting. Okay, well, who has got one? What practice? What this? What this? What activities do you have? And you have to kind of do that kind of meeting. Sometimes it's a meeting where you get your kids together and you're like, hey, we've kind of got off on some areas where we just need to redirect, right? Have you ever had those talks to your kids? Oh, yeah. Yeah. James is the only one. James and Laura are the only ones that are agreeing. You just have to redirect. You have to be like, okay, we, we've been doing this too much. We've been talking, dishonoring, or whatever. Let's just let's rein in and re, redirect. And sometimes you actually have to take one kid aside and be like, I love you, but I love you, but this is not okay, right? And so um, I just imagine Jesus. He's sitting. He's not sitting. They're sitting in the grass, just listening to him. He's looking out among all these sheep, and he just says, you know, congratulations. When you take the low road, yours is the kingdom of heaven. Congratulations. When you mourn, for you will be comforted. Congratulations. When you show mercy, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Congratulations. When you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled. Congratulations. When you're a peacemaker, for you will be called a child of God. And congratulations when people persecute you for my name, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. You are the salt. Don't lose your saltiness. You are the light of the world. 
A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your Father in heaven by your good deeds. I haven't come to abolish the law. I've come to fulfill them, all the law. And those who teach and obey my commands will be called great in the kingdom. And those who do not teach and obey my commands will be called least in the kingdom. And you've heard it say, don't murder, but I tell you, don't be angry with a brother. If you come to the front to give your offering and you have an issue with someone, go make it right with them and then come give your offering. And you've heard it say, don't commit adultery. But I tell you, if you lust after a man or woman in your heart, you've already committed adultery. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. For it's much better to lose part of your body than go to hell. And you've heard it say, an eye for an eye. But no, I tell you, if someone slaps you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. If he takes you to court and takes your shirt, give him your coat as well. If he asks you to go a mile, go two miles. You've heard it say, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. No. I tell you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. For yours is the kingdom of heaven. Do not resist an evil person. And don't pray on the street corners where it's loud and you loud voices and long prayers, but instead go into your closet and shut the door. And once you pray in secret, the Father will hear you. And when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing, but do it in secret and the Lord will reward you. And when you know it, you want to know how to pray? Pray, Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And why do you ask, what am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? Even the pagans ask those questions. Your father knows what you need before you ask. But seek first his kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. For big is the gate and wide is the road that leads to destruction. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And very few find it. So build your house on the solid foundation like the wise man. And when the rains come and the waters rise and the wind beats against it, it will not fall. Don't be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand and when the rains came and the water rose and the wind beat against it, it crashed on the rocks. And the people were amazed when Jesus finished teaching because he taught with authority, not like the teachers of the law. Today I stand as a vessel. I may or may not teach with authority, but God's words are authority. So what I speak today from his word, may it come in our hearts. I'm going to pray this happens today as I start my message. So we're just going to pause. I just want everybody to close your eyes.
Just ask the Lord to give you eyes to see and ears to hear today. Lord, in this silence, we ask you to give us eyes to see and ears to hear. We love you, Father. We need you. Come in this message. Amen. All right. I'm going to be preaching this morning from Matthew 7. And I've only got five verses. They only trust me with five verses this morning. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't, I, Graydon, I mean, he, he, he put so much in his message. I was like, that's amazing that that much stuff was, that he was able to articulate in such a beautiful way. But I only get five verses, and they're very important verses. And today, the message that I'm going to be talking to you guys about is the practice of forgoing judgmentalism. And that's even actually kind of hard to say. So if I, um, judgmentalism, um, but I'm excited about this message. I love this message. Um, actually, when I heard we were doing the Sermon on the Mount, my heart was like, oh, I, I would love to preach on this. And that sounds crazy, but this message has been in me for about 20, 25 years and it profoundly affected me. And that's why I feel passionate about this. You know, our culture currently encourages strong opinions. The stronger, the better, Right? And we encourage um, even actual judgments towards people groups or people. And kind of like sometimes a badge of honor, the stronger, the harder um, it, it, it can be. And it's really many times not the kingdom of God. It's not the kingdom. And we're going to talk about this morning what that means. So some of the worst pain that some of us have ever gone through is when we, when we have been falsely accused or people of judging us. When they don't know anything about our circumstances but yet they give a judgment. Have any of you been deeply hurt by someone criticizing or judging you? Anybody in the house? Okay, Micah is the only one here. Everybody else can go home. And I'll preach this to Micah, right? But we do. We, we've been hurt, and we've hurt people by our judgmental spirits. And the reality is, guys, is we never have enough information to judge anyone. We don't. We do not have enough information and we're so easy to judge, but yet we don't want to be judged. And so we're really going to talk about it this morning, what it means to judge. What, it, what does that not mean? What's the fruit if I actually begin walking out and living a life of being judge, judgmental towards other people? And how can I forgo being judgmental? All right. Again, we don't have enough information to judge someone. We don't have any idea what kind of family is going on with them, what kind of family they're in what's going on in their home, what's going on with their parenting, what's going on with their money, what's going on with their job. We just don't get enough information. But the enemy who's called the accuser of the brethren, right? He comes and he works and he puts thoughts in our minds. I'm not gonna do my message about uh, the battlefield of the mind. I have so many, many messages <laughs> in this message, but I'm going to be disciplined and not go off on too many. But today we just really do need to be careful about what we feed our minds. We have to, because when we, ha when we have thought about someone or a people group, we really need to stop and say, is that from the Lord, or is that my carnal mind lying to me? And many times when we choose the, the carnal mind, things do not go well. We get unpeaceful in our life. If you're in a season where you're just feeling lots of unpeacefulness towards everybody, the people you love, and you're anxious about everybody, and uh, there's probably maybe some unforgiveness or judgmentalism going on. Those are two things that are... That, 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 
get us. And you got to realize when I'm talking this morning that critical spirit, unforgiveness, judgmentalism, offense, they're all cousins. They like to hang out together. You're probably not going to find one by itself. You don't have unforgiveness towards someone. You make a judgment towards someone. You become critical about them. We get angry. We get bitter. And we're going to talk about all that this morning. But just keep in mind as I'm talking this morning that these are all cousins. And we don't want to be a part of that family. Right? So we're going to open our Bibles to Matthew 7, 1 through 5. I'm going to have everybody stand. And we're actually going to read um, this together this morning. Do not judge... Are you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye, pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. This is the word of God. All right. We're going to start first with what judgmentalism is not. Judgmentalism is not giving people ethical or pastoral guidance. I just want to make that really clear right now. Because the, there's so much in the world that's saying, oh, no, everything's, everything's, everything's okay. There's no right or wrong. There is right or wrong. And so we have the opportunity to give people ethical and pastoral guidance. We see this. Jesus talks about this. He made um, 37 times in the first three Gospels of the Bible. He confronts the powers in, about Jerusalem and the Pharisees about their attitudes, about their exclusiveness, about how they treat other people. And they refuse to repent, and they're actually the ones who crucified him, right? So Jesus, was, Jesus did this. He gave right and wrong guidance. Secondly, judgmentalism is not guiding people into righteous life. We want to guide people into living right. Paul does this um, in 1 Corinthians 6, he makes judgments to redirect the church, okay? Paul had authority, he had love for the people, and so he redirects. And we're going to talk about this, the difference when we redirect and when we condemn, okay? But I'm going to read this, this little scripture from us because this is an example of Paul walking in pastoral guidance, okay? 1 Corinthians 6, it says, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her body? For it is said the two will become one flesh, but whoever is united with God is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. This is a perfect example of Paul giving ethical pastoral guidance on an area where they were struggling with, the church in Corinthians. And as I was preparing this, um, 
I think it was on Monday, the Lord just came down, and I'm going to do a pause. I'm going to talk about this just for a second, and I'm going to give an ethical pastoral guidance to help you live a righteous life. This scripture says flee from sexual immorality. And I'm just going to take a minute here to encourage us to be people that live pure sexual lives. When he says flee, he doesn't mean go hang out with it, have a picnic with it, and decide if you want to hang out more. No, it's saying flee. Joseph fleed. David did not flee. David did not flee. He, he sat there, he pondered, he looked at Bathsheba, and then it ended in murder of, of several people. This generation and everybody in between, the Lord does not want you to have sex outside marriage. I just need to say that. You know, and I was, and I, I, I was a kid's pastor for years, so I do have an illustration. As we, I'm sorry, I do have my Elmer's glue. Has JP, because all my boys have the same initials, so it's from school, probably from elementary school, actually. Um, but I'm going to give a little Im- demonstration. Put my little glue on my paper. Ben, Ben always has uh, object lessons, so Ben, you'll be proud of me. He's discipled me well. For those who don't know, Ben, when he preaches, he always shows something. So this is what we did when our, when our boys, we taught them about the birds and the bees, uh, is, that, is that even a phrase anymore? Anyways, um, we use this object lesson with them. And they may not remember, but we, d- we did it. We used this object lesson with them. Is that this is two people, right? And when you, when you unite yourself sexually with someone, the Bible says you become one. And this is why it's so important that we keep sex within the marriage bed. So this word isn't just for the singles out there. This is for those that are married. What happens when you become one with someone and then you don't, you're not married to them and you don't have life with them? When you, when you separate, you leave part of yourself with that person. This, you can't see it, but there's, there's pieces of the paper on this person, on this piece of paper. And there's pieces of this paper on that piece of paper. We cannot live this, guys. And I just want to encourage us, this hookup culture that's going on that says you can just hook up with someone and have casual sex and it's not going to be a big deal. It is a big deal, and it doesn't bring life. And so I'm doing this right now. I'm, I am giving you a pastoral as mother of this house. I'm one of the moms of this house. And I just say flee from sexual morality. And if you're sitting next to your boyfriend or a fiance and you guys are having sex, I say may today be the day that you repent and say, I don't want to do this anymore. And the Lord, you know what, in his goodness, he comes and he removes shame and he empowers us to walk a different life. And he, he, he washes as white as snow. That's what the good news is. I'm walking in this direction and I get convicted and I say, Father, forgive me. And I walk in this direction. All right. I'm not talking. This is not my step, This is not my topic today. But I'll just give an example because so many times people loop in. Oh, you're being judgmental. No, I'm just living life with you and I'm, I'm helping guide you. Okay. But what is judgmentalism? Judgmentalism is acting as a judge. The Greek word in Matthew 7 for judge means to assume the office of a judge. The cross reference means to separate, select, or choose. To, or to determine someone's fate or, their, to, or, or pronounce a judgment. That's not our place. Joyce Myers, who I love, Joshua, my, my youngest, grew up. When he was baby, I'd watch Joyce every morning at 10, and he'd sit there with me. Um, 
I love Joyce, and she says, God is the only person who has the right to condemn or sentence. Therefore, when we pass judgment on another, we are, in, sin, in a certain sense, setting ourselves up as God in his or her life. Amen. And this idea is confirmed in Stance's book, The Sermon on the Mount, that we're getting a lot of our information from, the transformative initiatives, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. He says that Jesus' command to condemn others as though we are in the position to judge as only God can do directly lines up with the theme of forgiveness in Jesus' prayer. Condemning others closes them out of the community of love. And we're going to talk about that today. About when I choose to walk in judgment, I'm literally making it impossible sometimes for someone to get right with me or right with God. And God is the ultimate judge. He says in Isaiah 55, my ways are higher than your thoughts. My, as far as the heavens are from the earth, that's, the, that's a lot of distance. He says, that's how far your thoughts are from my thoughts. So we don't want to play God with no pastoral purpose. That's the difference is when we see people and our hearts go out to them and we want to help pastor them versus we judge them. All right, secondly, judgmentalism is beliefs about a person or people group that result in exclusion. Miroslav Volk's book, Exclusion and Embrace, he says this, and when Jesus is talking about this, he says that he's trying to make the distinction between healthy judgment as, it, as differentiation, i.e. making decisions, drawing boundaries, creating order, defining right and wrong, versus unhealthy judgment as exclusion. What happens when we judge a people group or a person is we automatically exclude them. We create a wall. And you know what, the reality is, is we judge others by their actions, but we want, and we judge ourselves by our intentions. Let me say that again. And you've heard this, we've said this from here many times. This is one of Micah's, Micah loves this, this phrase. We judge others by their actions, but we judge ourselves by our intentions. And what that means is I look at you and I see your action and I already assume all these things and I don't pause and go, well, I wonder why she was so rude to me this morning. I don't investigate what happened last night on the way to school or on the way to work or whatever your situation is. But when we are rude to someone, well, it's okay because you don't understand what kind of night I had. My baby was up all night, so I have the right to be rude to you. I mean, we would never say that, but we think it. Come on. Right? I'm really real, so come on. I like feedback, so if, y'all, if I'm saying something, you're like, yes, right? But we need to think about that because what happens when we judge a, a person or a people group, we lose the ability to have relationship with them and to actually draw them to the Lord, actually lead them into a life of learning what it means to forgive and not to have judgmental spirit on them. Does that make sense? So we want to be people who do not do that. We do not want to judge as a judge, and it's so easy to do. Once you start looking at your life, I mean, I'm so glad to get this message out because, wow, the last two weeks have been like, I mean, the Lord's been showing me, showing me, and I I feel like I'm already aware to a degree because I, 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 I struggle with judgmentalism. Let's just say it. Maybe that's why I'm preaching this message. Um, But we want to create compassion. This morning in the prayer time, someone that said this, you know, judging is staying at a distance. Compassion is getting up close to someone and finding out what their story is. And we're going to talk about that. So what's the fruit of judging? 
sin. I just have to say it this morning. <laughs> Jesus said, do not judge. Not if you're justified. You think you're justified? Not if you think you're right? Not sometimes? Not only at family gatherings? Not only when you've had a bad week? He says, do not judge. And if we will really believe this and start catching ourselves, you'll be amazed at what happens in your life. And that's my heart for today, is that everyone leaves here as we start unfolding this with freedom. There's, this, this is not, I'm not condemning, this is not a place of condemnation. Now, there's going to be conviction, hopefully, the Lord going, oh, this is, yeah, this is a word for you. But there's not shame and condem 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 condemnation here. See? Oh, my gosh. See, don't judge me that I just need to drink water. <laughs> just kidding. All right. So now we're getting into the nitty-gritty. The fruit of judging, one of the fruits is bitter roots, okay? We don't want this to happen to us. We don't want a bitter root to grow in us. And Hebrews 12, 15 says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up and causes trouble and defiles many. We all know this, this. If you plant something, it's going to grow. There's all areas in our lives where we have good fruit and bad fruit. You have, a bad, you have something bad in your life, some bad fruit, ugly fruit. You know, there's a root. And we really do... We, this is not a talk about that, but we do want to dig those roots out. We don't just want to cut the grass. We want to get down there and get the roots out and fill it with the Lord so that ugly fruit doesn't come back. We have all, some, we have all at some points in our life made negative or ungodly judgments of others as a result of negative words people have said to us, actions, behaviors. And because we, we do not know better, we've allowed these ungodly little seeds to plant in our hearts. And what happens when we don't, aren't aggressive about our hearts, guys, this message really is about our hearts, but when we're not aggressive about forgiving and not being offended easily and making judgments, we let it something that's really little and starts growing. And pretty soon that person that said something, we got offended. Next thing we know, we're having bad thoughts about them. Next thing we know, we don't want to be in the same room with them. Next thing we know, we can't be in the same building as them. And that sounds crazy, but it happens. And this is how it starts is it's a little bit of root. And what happens is when we, again, when we get hurt, we make judgments, we come under the law. There's three spiritual laws I'm going to talk about this morning that play into this whole idea of judging. The first one is the law of sowing and reaping. Galatians 6, 7 says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The law of sowing and reaping, in general, we all know that law. We, 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 and we like to think of that law um, in the natural. Like, if you um, work out on a regular basis, you're probably better in shape than the person who doesn't. If you um, eat a gallon of ice cream every night before you go to bed, um, you may not feel great in the morning. <laughs> right? There's this natural. You, you sow pumpkin seeds in your garden, you're going to grow pumpkins. Right? There's the natural you're reaping and you're sowing. But there is a supernatural law that works here too. And we, this is, can be a beautiful law. When I sow um, life into my children, I'm going to reap it. But when I sow unforgiveness into relationships, I'm going to reap it. And so we need to be with those lenses this morning. And the problem with this law is that when we sow judgment or curses into another person's life, we reap it in our own. 
And what that looks like, I mean, and guys, and, and you can, I'm not making this stuff up. I have a lot of stories about these kinds of things. Um, I, I really got breakthrough in, this, in my 20s when I heard this message, and I was like, light turned on, and I realized, wow, this is a powerful, a powerful message. So when we're gossipers, let's say let's, we struggle with gossip. You know what, the, you know, when reap what you sow? Well, someone else is going to be gossiping about you. You're talking bad about someone's husband. Someone may be talking about you, about your husband. And we don't like to hear that, but that is what's happening here many times, the, saw, the, the law of sowing and reaping. The second law is the law of judging and receiving, and this is the one we've been talking about, Matthew 1, 7, 1 through 2. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. Most of us have heard, do not judge and maybe you've heard, do not judge or you'll too be judged. But the verse says, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. This is a spiritual law. You're giving the accuser legal right when you judge our brothers and sisters. You have the choice to walk in mercy or judgment. You have the choice to offer forgiveness to someone or hold off unforgiveness towards them. We have the choice, and the enemy dwells anywhere there's unforgiveness, critical spirit, strong opinions about that people group or that person, and we don't take the time to want to know them and love them. We are operating this, and we're going to reap it in our lives. That should be a reason that we're like, woo, okay, and it explains some stuff in our lives, right? The, 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 the person who grew up in an alcoholic family and they made judgments, I'm never going to, that's never going to be my home. 20 years later, they're an alcoholic family. And, it's, and, it's, and this, is, this does not cover everything, but guys, these laws are at work in, at, because they're spiritual laws. The last one is the law becoming what we judge. Romans 2.1 says, you therefore have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourselves because you who pass judgment do the same things. Do the same things. That, that story I just gave is a perfect example. You know, the enemy likes to operate eye for eye and tooth for tooth in this. He likes to say, okay, you're judging. Well, good, I'm going to dish it back out because he is the accuser and he is here to kill, steal, and destroy from your life. You know, this morning I put these boots on and kind of goes, wow, you're wearing it. These aren't combat boots. But he was like, you're wearing boots? You're going to kick some booty? And I was joking. And later I was like, no, but I'm going to kick the enemy's booty because he's, he's in our lives and we need him out. We need, we need a revelation of how he's come to stir up stuff in your lives. And today there's going to be people here that are going to leave free. Things you've been struggling with, judgments you've had that are holding you down, that are causing physical ailments in your body and your family. You're going to get broken free this morning. You're going to walk out a different person. I have full faith in that. And that's not even in my notes. All right. Okay, a couple stories. And you're sitting there going, well, I've never heard of this. What is she talking about? Is this really true? It is. It's scripture. And this is true. And I give some stories. Years ago, my mom, and she's with Jesus now, and she was going through a really, really hard time. There were some circumstances in her life, and we were praying through it. And it was just difficult. And I was praying for her one morning, and the Lord said to me, your mom is reaping what she sowed. She made some judgments about my grandmother, my dad's mom, her mother-in-law, and she's living some of them out. Well, that's a light word. I mean, he wants to go give that word to your mom, right? And I was like, okay, Lord. And we're going to talk about this in a minute, but the log, you know, what does that mean? That means you humble yourself. You say, Father, 
Show me what, what's in my life that you're trying to point this, what, this message about judgment, Lord. What, what do I need to walk in? And then you pray about it, and I just knew I had to go talk to my mom. So I went to my mom, and I was like, Mom, I was praying for you about the situation, and this is what I heard. And I didn't know what she would do. I thought she would respond well, but I also knew she could like, start crying and get upset and not work what the Lord is wanting to do. She looked at me, and she, just, she did. She cried. She's like, you're completely right. I do have that judgment on her name was great great my grandmother and we sat there and we prayed we broke it and something lifted from my mom and the circumstances that were going on shifted and I've seen this in my life y'all I mean I have stories what happens when we judge we put on glasses and we only see that people or those people group that way we, we do I've seen it with my children when I was before I was a mom or early mom I'd see older moms be like well my kid ain't ever gonna do that well, I'm never going to talk to my kids that way. I mean, made a judgment. And years later, I'm in a bad cycle with my kids. And I'm like, I mean, if you're a parent, this is a great tool. And you ask the Lord, Lord, what is going on? And I'm telling you, so many times he's directing me back. You made a judgment about that specific person, about their parenting. And now you're living it out. And wow, no, no. And you pray and you cut it off and you repent and you move on and something shifts. I'm just telling you, this is real stuff. I've done it on pe years and years ago, a family that I loved and I was walking with. I was like, dude, they spend their money unwisely. Okay, that's a, that's, a, that's a statement. That's not a really nice statement. But I started getting into it. It's really none of my business how they spend their money. But the, but the lens. Next thing I know, everything they did, everything they, everything they spent it on, I was like, well, that was unwise. That was unwise. They could have sold half their house and given it to the poor. And because I had the glasses of you don't use your money wisely, I would have only seen that. Does that make sense? I got convicted. I broke it. I cut it. The glasses came off. Next time I was all like, I don't care how you spend your money. That's none of my business. And so this is a real deal. And guys, we have judged walking in a Walmart. I mean, when I walk into Walmart, I do have to be like, Jesus, why is she wearing her pajamas? Why is she, why is she wearing her house shoes? And then you know what happened? One time I showed up at Walmart. No kidding. I looked down. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm in my house shoes. That's a funny, but let's just admit, it's all around us. You see the homeless person on the corner, and you say, they need to get a job. Why are, they, why are they homeless? Well, you know what? In Hawaii, we befriended a guy who was a working homeless. Hawaii has people who actually work, and they're homeless. I mean, we just don't know what people's stories are. We don't know what's going on with them. So how do we practice foregoing judgmentalism? Well, first, we have to examine ourselves, okay? Let's put the transforming, transforming initiative on, up there that we've been talking about. So this is, again, do not judge. Or with the judgment you've judged, the measure you'll give it out, you'll get it. This is the cycle. Why do we look at this speck in our neighbor's eyes when we have a log in our own? How can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your own eye while well, there's a log in your own eye? You can't do that, by the way. And then take out the log in your own eye, and you'll be able to see clearly. I love these diagrams, because how many of y'all get in those cycles? Like a little gerbil? And you're just like, I want to get off. I want to get off. And you can't get off. And you're starting to sweat. And, you're, and then the Lord wants to just to boot us off and give us freedom. He does. This morning, he wants you to be in that cycle. He wants to leap you off and give you full freedom so you can walk in this. Okay? So I have, I, again, I have some demonstrations. This is a log from a house. We actually have a saw. So this is a, some, a piece of sawdust. I don't know if you can see it. There's actually probably 100 little tiny pieces uh, of sawdust. They're little they're tiny. You can barely see them. This is a log. A speck is irritating, but a log can cause blindness. 
we have to be aggressive about the logs in our lives. I wear contacts, and I'll say sometimes I get, I wouldn't say it's probably a piece of sawdust, but I get um, an eyelash or a piece of dirt in there, and it's, it can, contact wears, anybody can agree? I mean, you just want to rip your eye out. You're like, uh-huh, and it's starting to swell. Your makeup's coming off, and you're like, just get me home so I can take my contacts out. And it's irritating, but it's not life-altering. A log can blind us. We have to be self-aware. And I want to say, everyone in this room, we have areas where we're blind. We have areas where we have to have the body of Christ come around us and redirect us and show us. We have to be vulnerable with people so people can say, hey, Lindy, the way you talk to Conan is dishonoring. I've had someone say that to me before because I want, I want to live a life where people can say stuff to me. And as Graydon was talking a few weeks ago about siblingship, we are have brothers and sisters and sometimes it's a friend, a sibling come along and helping to remove the log out of our own eye so then we can see the speck. But you know what happens when we get the log out of our own eye many times? The speck is like, we don't see it. Or it doesn't bother us. Because we've removed such, a, we've gotten so much freedom that we have so much grace for other people. And then sometimes, there is times where you go and you take a speck out of someone's eye. But it's with humility. It's with such humility. The second way, that we can forego judgmentalism is at not only examining ourselves first, but living in love. Seeing the person in front of you is valuable. Greg Boyd says it this way. If you seriously commit, and this is a hard quote, if you seriously commit to loving all the people at all times, you will increasingly wake up to all the judgments that you habitually take place, that habitually take place in your programmed, idle, addicted, egocentric flesh brain. And I love y'all, but that's a good quote. <laughs> because when you become making aware, and, and you just are aware of it. And it's not, it's just a bummer, I'm a loser. It's more like, no, I've got freedom, and I can just, oh, I'm, Lord, no, I bless that person. I, I don't know what's going on in their lives, but I, bless them. And we, we, don't, we don't create walls or we can't have a relationship with people. He also says, living in love moment by moment is not only the most important thing followers of Jesus are called to do, but encompasses everything followers of Jesus are called to do to make it your goal to love every person you encounter or think about as profoundly as possible. Challenge yourself to remain awake to the truth that each person you encounter has unsurpassable worth, not because of anything worthwhile you happen to see in them, because that makes our, right? That changes. But because of the creator thought them worth dying for. He thought them worth dying for. We want to see people as Jesus sees them. We don't want to put huge stereotypes. Well, they live here, so they must be like that. They wear that, they must be like that. They hang out there, or they go to that school, or they drive that kind of car, or what, or they're working out to them. Well, you're working out, I mean, working out, you can always, it's easy to judge people when you're working out, right? Like in the gym or wherever, you're like, well, they spend too much time working out, and it's because they look better than you, and you're like, I mean, <laughs> is that ever thought? You've gone through anybody's thoughts? Okay, see, y'all are getting in my thoughts. Okay. But the realities, and those are funny ones, but it can get really personal. When someone has really wronged you or offended you, and we do not want to walk in this, 
We want to walk free from the critical spirit that's married to unforgiveness, that's married to being a judge over someone's life, that's married to being so quick to offend and to be offended. And so what we're going to do today, one last thing we can do to keep ourselves free from judgmentalism is we break judgments. We actually just do it. So there's a slide up here. It's going to be a slide up here. This kind of walks us through this, and you can take a picture of this. These My notes are also on the app. And this is nothing, you know, nothing big, but it's, it's powerful. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to take a couple minutes. I want everybody to just close your eyes. We're just going to ask the Lord to move in the room. We can go and have the worship team come up. But we're just going to spend a minute or two and just ask the Lord, is there any, is there any fruit in your life, any pattern you've gotten into that you feel like you cannot break out of? And just ask the Lord, is it because of a judgment? Or because of unforgiveness? Just ask the Lord right now to show you. Once you have that person or people group, everything I've said today goes not just for a person but for people groups. We judge people groups so quickly. The number one step, you're just going to ask God to forgive you for making judgments. So just in there in your heart, just say, Lord, forgive me for making the judgment I made against my mother, father, sister, co-worker, whatever. And then we're going to repent. And here we're choosing to change. We're determining to stop wrong patterns or habits. And so we say, Lord, I repent now for and name that thing. Name, be as specific as possible for what the judgment was. And then lastly, we're just going to forgive others, those who've contributed to making the judgment. Many times judgments are made because of something that someone's done to us. Not always. So Lord, I choose now to forgive that person or people group for, and be specific and ask the Lord to help you forgive them in any area you judge them. I'm going to go ahead and ask the minister team to come on up. Everybody stand. I'm going to pray for you. And I know I've made, you know, some funny stories and some more serious stories, but this is a this is a heavy subject, guys. And the Lord is here. We do this ministry time at the end to provide 
a place where you can have somebody agree with you. And in this message, talking about the log, we have to have people in our lives that can say hard things to us. I have people in my life that, can, that I give open invitation. And there's many of you out there that I've spoken hard things into your life. When people do that to me and help me get the log out, I walk in freedom. There's not shame there. In ministry time, I can't tell you through the years how many times I've gotten breakthrough from coming up and walking down the aisle and just saying, I need help. And he's so good to help us. So Lord, we just pray for this next few moments. Lord, we pray that you come in those areas of our heart that we have made judgments and we feel justified in it. We ask you, Jesus, to break those. And we want to choose to love people and have compassion and to hear their stories and get to know them and allow you. You are just God. You are sovereign. We don't have to play you to people. We don't have to sit in the judgment seat. And Lord, in those areas where we've been judged, we ask you to help us to forgive. May we be quick to forgive. May we be aggressive about our hearts. Amen. So we're just going to sing one more song and you come up here and get prayed for. And if the front fills up, get someone next to you to pray for you.